Alex and Aria here. Sup? We're informing you now that this episode may include graphic content that may be disturbing to some listeners. So please listen at your own risk. And be aware that what you may hear may be dark and depressing. And we agree with you that it's terrible that stories need to be told. Yep. And... And keep in mind that we will never make fun of victims or victims' families in any way. We'll just, we'll make jokes to make ourselves feel better. Have fun listening. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Why? Why a noise? Yeah. Sometimes I just need to scream, you know, to get out any tension I have in my body. It's just... I don't know. I, I'm not judging. I, from what I hear from other people with anxiety, they do it as well. I do it. Yeah. Can you? Since my hips are big, my waist is a size 28, but my hips are like a size 30. Oh so now I have to wear a 30 waist. <laughs> this is so big. They're so big and my belt broke and yeah. It's a good time. What hospital are you doing? I'm doing Pennhurst. Okay, perfect. I, I thought, I remember you saying something with a T. Um, I'm doing, doesn't start with a T, um, there's one in South Korea that's like, oh, actually in freaking Seoul. Oh, gonna get a little bit spicy. Yeah. I, I was gonna do this island I found, but I figured we could save that for another time and we could do an episode on Haunted Island. Okay. Okay. While you're getting your things together, can I just make a mention real quick? Yeah. Christopher Watts, the guy in Frederick who mm-hmm. killed his wife, his two daughters, and his unborn son, yeah. pleaded guilty. He did? He pleaded guilty today. And I think they're charging him with three childs of murder, um, one child of unlawful abortion, and then there's... Uh, Messing with the bodies, so he's mm-hmm. being charged for that for moving bodies around. I just don't like that term, messing with the bodies. I feel like that shouldn't have to be a thing. It shouldn't have to, but he's still sitting in court for his sentence. I'm pretty sure. Um, no, he's sentenced to life in prison, so he's getting lighter. Mm-hmm. And. Yikes. Yeah, so he's being sentenced to life, so that's nice. But that whole case is really fucked up. Yeah. If you guys, if anyone doesn't know, um, Christopher Watts is essentially this family man who lives here in Colorado, like not that far from us, actually. Let me just triangulate our locations a little. (laughs) But he lives in Frederick, Colorado, and he killed his family, as I said before. And he essentially pretended that his wife had gone missing and had taken the girls with her and said that he 
didn't know where he, she was, and, like, he pleaded on TV and everything. That makes me sick. <laughs> yeah, it's so messed up. And apparently he killed her out of a rage, but whatever. He's a lifer now, so he won't be ever getting out, hopefully. Hopefully. But you know who got out? Who? The... <laughs> You don't even know. Don't like look at me like, oh, you don't know. Who I forgot know. her. I forgot her last name. Wanda Barzi, one of Elizabeth Smart's kidnappers, the wife. Of, mm. Yeah, she got out. I think this week, earlier this week. So great. <laughs> the world's a scary place. Never go outside. Never go outside. Already. Or inside, maybe. So, firstly, I... Why did you look at me so creepily when you said that? I don't know. Are you planning on murdering me? No. But, maybe. But we didn't say hi. Oh, hi. I'm Aria. Hi, I'm Alex. Oh, I'm still sick, by the way. So, if I cough, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm trying to get better. (laughs) This is as long as it's spooky. And it's a podcast. Where we talk about things as as long as they're spooky. As long as they're spooky. We'll talk talk about about them. them. (laughs) Same Not planned. Hey, are you seeing double? Stop. I think I'm clever. Stop. I think I'm funny. Anyway, should we introduce this team? We should. This team, if I can talk. Aria, do you want the honors? This week, we're going to be talking about haunted hospitals. Woo! Woo! Spooky. They're both drinking water at the same time. They are. ASMR with my dogs. ASMR, my dog drinks water. So, so haunted hospitals. I always think that hospitals are kind of just creepy in general like am i alone in that thought no i think hospital because it's such an it's both a place of like transitioning in terms of like from life to death but then also like things are being born and then at the same time there are people who are just it's sterile so it feels unnatural yeah it's i don't know it just there's a lot of stuff i don't like about hospitals i feel like they just in general have like really weird energy about them yeah because like you're in a room and even if someone's having a happy time like there might be someone right next to you who's literally dying it's it's an odd contrast and uh this episode was recommended like the topic of the episode was recommended by mac um shout out to mac shout out miss you lad i also want to say kiwi he has a little bird named kiwi oh i don't know you but (laughs) hi Thank you for listening. What hospital did you do, Aria? I chose a hospital that is not in the United States or which, in Europe. Which I feel like is rare because a lot of the time we do, like, podcasts like this tend to be focused on West because we're from the West, so that's yeah, what we're familiar so with. what we're going to automatically... And I'm saying this as someone who chose a hospital in the West today. So mine is not in the West. So I apologize now for the horrible mispronunciation. Um, alrighty. Oh, I can't 
apparently Shakira just followed me. Shakira, Shakira. There's any spirits in here? Can you answer me this? Does this sound like Shakira? Lay, la, 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 la. I swear to God. I need to buy him. <laughs> so, we're going to be ca- talking about a hospital in South Korea. Well, I'm going to be talking about I don't know why I said we're. Um, it's called, apologies again, Gungjung, and it's a psychiatric hospital. The most haunted type of hospitals, apparently. It is. It is one of... I want to say that a lot of people say that this is considered one of the most haunted locations in all of South Korea. Well, I don't know anything about it, so take me away, Arya. Let's talk about it. So, legends persist of a mysterious patient of mysterious patient deaths in this hospital, being the cause of the hospital's sudden closure in the 1990s. When was it started? It was started um, not too long before it. Like, it was a very short period of time, I think. I don't know. I can't find anything about when it was opened. It's That's kind of weird. not suspicious. Um, so, nestled away near the small city of Gwangju in southeast of Seoul. So, southeast of Seoul, just a little bit. South Korea stands, I mean, in South Korea, there stands an abandoned hospital called the Gunjum Psychiatric Hospital. Now, a little more than an empty shell of a stained gray concrete with rusty doors and smashed windows, this location is regarded as one of Korea's most haunted destinations. The building has a look of one that has been long abandoned, but the truth is it was only shut down a bit suddenly in the late 1990s. Although many reasons are given for this faculty's sudden closure, the most popular story states that for 10 years, patients and staff were suddenly and inexpectably and I mean inexplicably, inexplicably, inexplicably. I can't speak. Um, dying, found dead in their rooms, or at their desks in their office. So like here is a picture. You guys can look it up. Like it looks really, really old. And it's spelled G O N J I A M, by the way, because you know people can't spell yeah. like me. And it is freaky. Yeah, it's a freaky looking place. So. With patients' families not given a reasonable explanation as to why their family member had died, people began to talk, and soon a story emerged. That is, of course, if the deceased still had their family wanting to claim them for their own. Mm -mm. So stories of a mad doctor make their way through South Korea chat rooms and websites dedicated to the supernatural as to tales of hideous experiments, whether or not that there was a mad doctor doctor offering his patients and staff will probably never know but there is certainly no public knowledge of an investigation into such activities meaning most likely it didn't happen so however there's another side of the story that states the hospital's invitation was not up to code and with the owner having left the country, it was thought most co-effective to close the facility and transfer the patients elsewhere. Which, Makes I'm pretty sure it was probably that. People still argue against these stories about the hospital's closure, but it's a place that most people can agree will have been filled with much sorrow and no doubt more than a few violation of basic human rights. Yeah. So... Psychiatric hospitals, no matter where they are located in the world, are generally places that are understaffed, underfunded, but most crucial to 
a recipe for human suffering. A place where people who do not fit society's mold of normal are placed in order to be forgotten. And, I mean, for most at the time, that was pretty, pretty true. common, yeah. Now they are getting so much better, which, thank God. Um, but regardless of the reason for the closure, those who have visited the slowly crumbling ruin can attest the, to the fact that the hospital looks as though it was abandoned in a hurry. Beds, desks, and other patients' furnishings still remain within the rooms. Doctor examination rooms still contain dusty white coats, rusting exam chairs, and in some cases, paperwork. I think that's the worst. Yeah. Because hospitals, especially abandoned hospitals, they always, after everyone's gone, they always look like someone's going to return. Yeah. And that's terrifying. Exactly. Like, the patient's personal effects can also be found. There's games, books, photo frames. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like things like that. Oh, that's a long hallway. It is a long hallway. It's scary. So making the journey out to the hospital is not made easy by the locals who have no real want to have this facility remembered. Perhaps they know the truth of what took place there. But should one manage to find the entry, it is also not made easy with every possible entrance of the ground floor barricaded, boarded up with metal bars, crisscrossing doorways and windows, However, should you make it inside, you will find a place where the light of day does not shine in the central rooms and the corridors in the perpetual inky blackness as you pass through, hoping something does not lurk in the shadows. That's so, nice. that's a picture of what's been left behind. Like, it's a lot. There, yeah. Like, they left a lot of stuff behind, which is kind of terrifying, I want to say. Like, it's, it's really scary. So... This place is considered one of the most haunted for a good reason. All manner of paranormal activity is said to take place there. It would not be considered unusual for someone to run screaming from the building, frantically scrabbling at from a window, feeling the pain that is obvious on any part of unclothed skin, scratches by the dozens, beads of blood oozing from their wounds. Did the untrimmed nails of the former patient ghost cause the wounds, or was it shards from the shards of glass that are said to be hurled about all of the rooms? Wait, glass is just being thrown around? Um, yes. Mazatov. Mm-hmm. Shadows, voices, moans, and screams would also likely be on the agenda as the res- uh, residual presence of the patients and residual? the staff. Yes, thank you. Um, linger on in the intimidating hospital. So, that's all that the paranormal guy will say. I mean, there's also, like, apparently CNN has been there. Like, they've filmed something there, and they called it, where's the quote, um, has claimed it was one of the freakiest places in the world, but the truth of this place isn't the supernatural hotbed that makes for a good media holder. So, it's supernatural, but it's not scary enough. Yeah, like, it's not, it doesn't have, like, a terrifying backstory necessarily but it's very very haunted apparently everyone agrees that it is crazy because like at the media if they hear like oh a mysterious deaths mad doctors like all that stuff like that folklore seems more interesting to hype up the creep factor yeah versus oh it's just closed down because of economic reasons and it's unsanitary Mm -hmm. so that's Probably why, but I mean, it's still known as such a haunted place. They actually made a movie about it, which I didn't know they made a movie about it, and I found it, 
And Rotten Tomatoes gave it 100%, so, like, from critics. And I was like, whoa, dude. Guess what I'm watching, then. So, apparently, it's good. It it was released in 2018, so it's pretty... Oh, damn. Is yeah. It, is it an Asian movie, I'm assuming? Huh? Is it from Asia? Is it from South Korea? Yeah, it's from South Korea. That's probably why we didn't hear about it. But the story is pretty much about a camera crew that goes in and tries to get this big story and the main dude was like, oh, I'll set up some scares to scare my crew and stuff like that. But apparently it is terrifying and it starts to get just creepier and creepier and creepier and stuff that he doesn't set up. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I don't know. There's not enough really information about it. Uh, People who have gone in because most people don't talk about it after they go in. That makes it not great. (laughs) Like this person said that they went in Mm -hmm. and that they just like nothing super terrifying really happened but just in general it was just a really creepy atmosphere some yeah sometimes i feel like the atmosphere of a place is enough also i love this on the wall i'm scared as fuck <laughs> and it's signed 2013 <laughs> i just love that someone went in and was like i'm scared as a fuck. and they put a little smiley face they did Aw. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not... It's just a place that people don't really want you going in because I can understand if you're living around that area, like, you kind of want to forget about it. But it's also crazy because, like, even if you look at the pictures she took, like, there's so So much much left behind. Like, I don't know what would happen to make everyone leave stuff behind that quickly. Like, Oh, they're having an economic downfall. (laughs) Well, like, not just crazy, like, economic downfall and stuff. Like, the doctors left stuff. They left papers that had their patients' records on them. Usually you would transfer that to a hospital. But they were left behind, so. That's nice. And comforting. So, that was that one. If you're ever looking for a scary place, that's one of them. I'm never going to go there. I don't want to have to climb my way in and then run out screaming. Climb your way in and climb your way out. Yeah, not for me. Not for me. So I'm just wiggle my way into comfort. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now I'm comfy. Okay. Now I'm fine. So I did Pennhurst State School and Hospital, which is pretty well-known haunted hospital, especially because, like, it's developed the infamous, like an infamy of the haunted hospital almost, at least on the East Coast. And yeah. there are a ton of haunted asylums in the United States, like a crazy amount. Yeah, it's, uh, it was really hard to narrow down to one. Yeah. Because like even when you look at the list, it's like, you, you go can, for 50 years and you're like, oh my God. You can click on any top 10 haunted hospital list. And I will usually be Penhurst, Trans Allegheny, and Waverly Hills and the Rolling Hill Asylum. 
But otherwise, there are a bunch of places I have never even heard of before that tend to be on these lists because it's just, there's so fucking many. Yep. So let's crack into Penhurst. So here's a quote from the former special assistant to the superintendent of Penhurst. It was a mistake made by all of us, following the dictates of the best minds of its time. And for people who don't know, Penhurst is in Spring City, Pennsylvania. It's currently open for operation for haunted attractions. It is no longer functioning as a hospital. And whether or not the whole haunted house thing there is appropriate is something that I'm going to leave you to decide. Because I myself don't really know what to think of that. I don't either. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I heard there's a good haunted house. <laughs> so, at least there's at a least. good one. So, on January 23rd, 1903, the Eastern Pennsylvania State Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic was commissioned by the Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania legislator. This institution would later be known as Panhurst State School and Hospital. The author, this authorization made the second as institution of its kind operated by the state of Pennsylvania. So the buildings were large, but it, they were only meant to house 500 residents. Residents were called inmates and then later referred to as patients. And regardless of age, all residents of Penhurst were called children, and a lot of residents were adults. So I... There's a documentary, by the way, about, um, called Suffer the Little Children, which I'll get into a little bit more later. Um, so construction began on May 23rd, 1903, and continued for 25 years. And other buildings were added later. Buildings T and Q were the first to open for the patients, and then 10 buildings were completed by, March, by May 31st, 1910. And 23 buildings were originally planned for the whole school. So on November 23rd, 1908, the first patient of Penhurst was admitted and was labeled as patient number one. And by 1912, the superintendent was alerting the board of trustees that people with epilepsy and people with and or de uh, developmental disabilities did not require the same treatment and were therefore incompatible to cohabit in the same treatment facility. And it was already like at that time year they were already requesting twenty five thousand dollars for repairs in 1912 and in 1913 the commission for the care of the feeble-minded was finally created um 1916 they created a campus for a thousand two hundred female inmates and the buildings in the female sector could be supplied by power water etc from the same sources used on the penhurst hospital opened in 1921 and the female campus at penhurst Panhurst. At Panhurst. At Panhurst opened three of its eventual five buildings in 1930. So May 31st, 19th. A lot of things happened in the 31st I and the 21st. I was going to say, I don't months. like that at I, all. <laughs> so in May 31st, um, 1930, it, re it was reported that there are 1,247 1, residents at Panhurst with more applications coming in, and the Board of Trustees urged the Pennsylvania legislator to provide more funding and support for the school. That's too much. And the school was originally built for 500 people. Oh, God. So by 1955, 
there were 3,500 residents at Penhurst, including two annex locations. And the annex locations became their own schools and were no longer underneath Penhurst administration by, ni- in ni- by 61, 1961. And so because of the popu- like um, because of those annexes becoming their own schools, the Penhurst population lowered to 3,200 in 1961 as mm-hmm. well. Um, residents of Penhurst rarely received medical attention in their residential buildings as they lived across the campus from the hospital and there weren't that many personnel to attend to them. So it's understaffed and it's overpopulated. And it's not a good mix. It's not. And according to the opinion of the Supreme Court of Penhurst State School and Hospital versus Halderman, half of the residents of Penhurst at the time were committed based on a court order while the others were committed by parents or guardians because there were a lot of children at Penhurst. Like even though we're, there were a bunch of adults, um, there were actual little kids and it was supposed to be, it, it was stated to be safe for children. 1962, several pieces of legislation are enacted that led to the downfall of Penhurst, beginning with the Mental and Health and Mental Retardation Act in the state of Pennsylvania. And this act authorized services in the community setting as opposed to the institutional setting. In 1968, reporter Bill Bellamy releases his five-part series on Penhurst called Suffer the Little Children. What a wonderful name. So Suffer the Little Children is a documentary series that aired on local channel 10 in Philadelphia. And the reporter received a tip about the conditions of Penhurst and went to investigate. Um, In the interview with the Institution on Disabilities at Temple University, Bill Bondini claims the conditions were so bad that his sound and camera operators wanted to leave. Bondini gives them breaks to emotionally reset (coughs) in the and the crew filmed for five days straight. Baldini claims that when he brought his footage back the first day of shooting, his news director said he that he thought Baldini was exaggerating about the conditions at Penhurst. Baldini claims the reactions from the public were so strong after his first segment aired that he was told to go back and continue shooting. He worked such long hours shooting, writing, producing, and editing that he slept in the Romans room at the news station for only three to four hours a night, by the way. So this man was cracking down on Penhurst. See, the thing about it, though, is, like, I understand, like, it's awful. Like, you want to tell the world about it, but also, like, why would, I don't know, why would it be open long enough for him to make a whole series? The doctors and stuff like that were letting him film. And it was in the 60s, so this was before it was shut down. And before anyone actually cared and knew about what was going on there. Which I think is like, because this documentary, I believe, is what really like started to change asylums mm-hmm. and institutions in America. Yeah, and, I'm just a person, I'm very empathetic. If I see people in pain, I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah, I am too, I get it. So by the fifth day, he no longer had a voice to read his script because of how much he was working. So John Fasina read the script instead of, and in John Fasita read the script instead, saying this before he began. It is with great regret that I tell you that reporter Bill Bondani, who has worked continuously on this series, has practically collapsed from sheer exhaustion and is unable to read the words which he has written to finish the series. So it is with considerable pride I conclude this report for him. He claims that many of the administrators were happy to give him information to get the word out on how dire the situation was of Penhurst. 
Baldini insists that most of the personnel were there to help, and they did an incredible job for the resources they were given. So there was definitely abuse and negligence in Penhurst. But at the same time, there was a good amount of the workers there who wanted to get things better because they knew that they were understaffed and underfunded. That's good. And they weren't getting that. So he claims, Baldini claims that he walked into a room containing two attendants and 80 children ranging from an age from age six months to five years old that were all sitting in metal cribs or cages, as he calls them. When he asked why the kids were contained to the cages and couldn't, I put quotes around that, by the way, and couldn't (laughs) walk, he reports that the attendant told them they did not have enough staff to set up the mattresses on the floor for the children to learn to crawl. The children simply remain in the cages without learning how to crawl or walk. Uh, So he says there were patients there who would lie in their own excrement for days. In an interview, excrement. excrement, thank you. <laughs> in an interview with Dr. Jesse Fear, uh, yeah, his real name is Fear. Fear. <laughs> That's comforting. The doctor explains that they punish residents who acted out by downgrading them a little bit. He claimed this punishment would offend their dignity as they were locked in a residence with residents with severe mental disabilities. He also admitted this punishment isn't always effective. What we're trying to do, this is a quote by him, by the way. What we're trying to do is degrade degrade him to a certain extent amongst his fellows here. They make fun of him for a while, then for a while afterwards. But they make fun of him, they make fun of him then for a while afterwards. You like, you sounded like a broken record. That was weird. I struggled with that. (laughs) It didn't make any sense in my head for a moment there. But I don't think there's anything inhumane about it, or if, or anything if that's the work. Dr. Fear recounts another time when he wanted to punish a resident, Ernie, for allegedly giving another resident a large welt on the back of his head. Fear threatened the resident by saying, you touch one of my boys again, and I personally am going to take care of you myself. When Ernie told him not to touch him, Dr. Fear responded, well, before this day's out, you're going to find out what I can do to you. While trying to figure out a punishment for Ernie, Dr. Fear asked one of his staff members for the most painful injection that they had that would not cause any damage. Dr. Fear later injected Ernie and claimed he really hit the ceiling over that. So Baldini then compares in his report that Penhurst was basically like a zoo in America at the time. He states that the largest zoo spent $7.50 each day on animals, whereas Penhurst only spent $5.90 per resident per day at the time of airing. The superintendent claimed the capacity of Penhurst was 1,984 residents, but at the time, there were 2,791 residents. He mentions that he would like to have 1,500 personnel on staff, like 1,500 personnel, but they would need $4 million to pay for the additional 700 people. This means there were 800 staff members to only 2,800 residents. The business manager, Elman, Elmer McSurdy, recounts the process of requesting bras for residents. His order for bras was canceled, and he was asked to justify the order. McSurdy then commented that it was self-evident. His request was returned again, asking for more Jurisdiction. McSurdy then asked one of Penhurst's doctors to write a jurisdiction. 
After all the back and forth, they did not receive the bras. Ugh. So in, in uh, going back to Penhurst State School and Hospital versus Halderman, in 1974, Terry Lee Halderman filed a class auction lawsuit against Penhurst State School and Hospital. While a resident at Penhurst, Halderman reportedly suffered 40 injuries, including cracked teeth, a fractured finger, and a broken jaw. Oh no. Oh no. But I feel like it can be so messy. It can. It really can. So, the conditions of Penhurst were described and undisputed in the case. Conditions at Penhurst are not only dangerous with the residents often physically abused or drugged by staff members, but inadequate for habilitation of the retarded. Indeed, the court found physical, intellectual, and emotional skills of some residents have deteriorated at Penhurst. And this is a quote from a former resident. Wait, no. Still from, this is a quote still from the court. God, I am a mess. Well, at Penhurst, the residents regressed both intellectually and behaviorally. Instead of learning self-care skills, they lose them. Maladaptive behavior and regression was sought from overcrowded wards, lack of privacy, lack of training programs, and an oppressive environment. One of the residents who with intellectual disabilities, who was also blind, was strapped to a wheelchair, wheelchair even though she could walk. The staff claimed to do this so they would always know where she was. Many residents were physically harmed by, or like abused or neglected by the staff, and that included death. The lawsuit includes the details about one resident who was restrained for a total of 2,692 hours over the months of June, August, September, and October of 1976. That is a total of more than 112 entire days restrained. And as I said before, there was often excrement that the patients were lying in, and there was also urine just on the floors. The lawsuit also describes the use of drugs at Penhurst as extraordinarily high. According to the lawsuit, the average age of the resident of Penhurst was at the time 36 years old and on average spent 21 years of their lives there. So people will live their entire fucking lives oh in this hellhole. Residents that were over the age of 18 and wished to leave were not permitted to do so. Staff would state that they were not ready to re-enter the community or that, that there simply wasn't a place for them to go and the residents were then court-ordered to stay. The residents are not mentally or emotionally ear ill and are not a danger to society is another quote from the court and it's like they're being held back and being forced into the situation so in 1978 the remaining 1230 residents of penhurst were ordered to move into community living settings by a federal judge the case eventually made its way to the supreme court and the supreme court ruled that with the Developmentally Disabled Assistance and the Bill of Rights Act of 1975, which assisted states with federal grants to help ensure the care and treatment of people, merely encourages habilitation in the least restrictive environment, community living settings, over insulation, and does not require a certain level of care or conditions to be obtained by the states receiving the federal grants. So, there's... Roland Johnson, who was a former resident of Pennhurst, he managed to get out, and he moved in in 1958, and according to his autobiography, he witnessed a boy being thrown out a window. The intent 
uh, while the attendants were changing over for their shift and not looking, someone had pushed the boy out the window. And Johnson stated that he didn't be believe the boy would be alive, but he did. Like, he was alive with a broken hip and leg. He equated the smell to Penhurst to a doghouse. And this is a quote, a direct quote. It just smells like feces. Rats curling, roaches crawling all over, feces and pee on the floor, flies coming in the windows. Johnson explains that this was the state of the low-grade wards, meaning the wards of residents with low mobility. Johnson claims residents were threatened and beaten by staff members. He claims the staff members warned residents that if they told their parents what was going on inside of Penhurst, they would be punished. Punishments include moving to a punishment ward, a beating with a broomstick, and cleaning up other residents' excrement. According to Johnson, the punishment wards were M1, U2, K1, V2, K2, and 1-2. So then, let's get into the paranormal um, activity of it all, uh, rather than the amount of atrocities. And the Mayflower Building, you were giving me a look. This is just, it's so sad. Like, it's not even spooky. It's just depressing. It's really sad. And you should, mm-hmm. it's really fucking sad. And it went on for so long, which I think is the worst part about it. It's like, it, no one did anything. Like, even if they said they wanted to when they were working there, they didn't make they didn't any actual effort. Because there were still abuses. And sure, you could have the moral conscience and you can think to yourself, I don't want this to be happening and I want to get more funding for this place and actually help these people. But if you're not like making an effort with your coworkers or reporting them to higher than the superintendent, but a former tour guide um, of Penhurst, and she was also a photographer after it was abandoned, Melissa June Daniels claims that there was, she was, Let me get my words together. <laughs> okay. Claims that she was walking with a man, and the man was roughly six foot three inches tall, and he fled from both the ghost and his tour group while they were visiting the haunted Penhurst grounds. And Daniels uh, went to ask the man what was wrong, and he said, "Like this is a quote from her." He said he physically saw and felt this pressure on his neck, Daniel says, of this ghost lunging at him, trying to strangle him. Jesus. The man asked to go downstairs to escape this ghost, but he froze when Daniels told him he'd have to pass by the same room to reach the staircase. He just stood there with his eyes glazed over and he couldn't do, this, do it. He couldn't move. I asked him if he wanted me to hold his hand. He looked up and said, will you? And this is a six foot three man by the way a grown man and when she was when she was working there she says that she didn't really have a whole bunch of experience but when she was scouting one of the dilapidated buildings with two photographers she went up to the upper floor to take some readings she start started speaking to the ghost as she often did hardly expecting any sort of answer after about 10 minutes she started to hear something through her multi-directional recorder this is another direct quote crying yes quote then i started to hear the crinkly you might want to just close that that might be okay come here because they're staring at the dog from 
Go take a nap. Go nap. Go play. Go nap. Quote, then I started to hear the crinkling of paint chips on the ground as if people were walking all around me. It was more than one coming from left and the right. I asked more questions, the sounds got, got louder, and I thought maybe the woman came upstairs. She turned off the recorder and checked the hallway, and she was still alone. Feeling stirred but not scared, to, uh, she continued to investigate. Again, Daniel spoke, and the paint chip sound started. She listened for a time. Then, staring at the door, she saw a clear upper torso of a human form peek around the corner. No, thank you. It looked at her and then backed away. Quote, it was just a shadow, though. It was a solid black shadow, unquote. The figures was so clear, Daniels was certain it must be someone on her tour who thought she was taking a, photog a photograph in that direction. Photography. A photography. And so turned back. But upon, investiga um, upon investigation, she learned that she was still completely alone. No, thank you. So there's also... A young girl who has been reported. Of course, there's a young girl. And she is hunched over with long black hair and dangly arms. There's been several reports of scrubbing and scratching, and according to a medium, there's demonic forces in the building. There have been three separate reports of a nurse wearing an old fashioned uniform, and voices have been heard echoing loudly out of the Philadelphia building, even though no one is inside. So, on January 2nd, 1937, 15-year-old Eugene Stoller died of a... This is a strange occurrence, by the way. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> this is something that should be, you know, mentioned. So, January 2nd, 1937, 15-year-old Eugene Stoller died of a brain hemorrhage and shock. Statler was being questioned by 24-year-old William McGaugh, an attendant of Penhurst, for allegedly stealing 90 Five cents. Four other male residents claimed McGraw told St McGraw told Statler to put on boxy gloves for his punishment. Statler received several blows to the head against a wall by McGraw. McGraw claims he was interrogating Statler when he received a phone call. Upon his return, he found Statler unresponsive. He was charged on manslaughter, and Statler had been at Penhurst for six years at the time of his death. And on May 10, 1978, Richard Grice, an aide at Penhurst, stabbed and mutilated his pregnant wife. His wife and unborn baby both died. Grice also slashed his six-year-old daughter, Beth Ann Grice, and his 70-year-old one, 70-year-old one, 70-year-old one, his 71-year-old grandmother, Ann Gresco, both survived, and Grice reportedly ran from his home but was taken into custody by Chester County Police. He was under he was placed under observation and he had worked there for eight years. So like I said earlier before, Penhurst Asylum is now a Halloween attraction and it was purchased in two thousand eight and in two thousand ten Richard uh Chastan, I think it's pronounced, opened up the school and hospital as a Halloween attraction, naming it Penhurst Asylum. 
The Haunted House is a collaboration with Randy Bates, who runs another haunted house um, in Pennsylvania called the Bates Motel and Haunted Hellride. The Haunted House was originally titled Pennhurst Institution of Fear, and it makes about $1 million in profit per year. There have been strong opponents to the attraction. The Pennhurst Memorial and Preservation Alliance have encouraged boycotts of the business, claiming the attraction portrays people with disabilities in demeaning and degrading fashion. De demonizing people with disabilities as a profit-making entertainment is offensive to everyone. The haunted house begins in an administration building and even tours some of the original morgue and underground tunnel system. And there's also a ghost, ghost hunt that you could do. Mm -hmm. So Philadelphia building that I mentioned before was originally used to house the administration offices until the actual office was built. Limerick Hall was originally used as an on-campus housing for staff. It was then used for residents of Pennhurst. Quaker Hall was used as a low-functioning ward, and that's where multiple EVPs have been recorded. And I have some, no. I have some EVPs. Dear God. And this is from thedeadhistory.com, these EVPs, by the way. Oh, I'm scared. Are my dog's going to flip? What? <laughs> so this person asked what an assembly is, and they just got a garbled response. But then the investigator, Nick, asked anyone if anyone was there and if they would like to come out and say hello, and they got this response. That kind of sounded like they were starting to say hi, like this. Yeah. Hi. And then another investigator began to ask questions, and he started to and she started to laugh when she was when they were played back because apparently they didn't like her. Can you stop walking? I don't know if you can hear it, but it's it sounds good out. It's supposed to. So you can clearly hear the G. In it. I was gonna say it sounds like he's going get get out. Yeah, get get out. Which yeah. is great. And then there's another one where they were warned to get out as well. Stop. Okay, play that one again while they're over here. Okay. Get out now. Yeah. So I don't like that. I don't like that And do you all. want some delightful pictures? No, of course I would love some. Ugh, see, like, I I think the abandoned kind of, like, torn up look is what's really creepy. Like, not as much as, like, because, I mean, in the, oh, gee, I need to look at it to pronounce it, the hospital I covered. Like, all the stuff still looks, like, in good tact. Yeah. Like, the actual items inside. It's just the building looks like it's decaying. Yeah, Penhurst itself. Like, everything in there is decaying, but there are yeah. also a lot of pictures of ghosts. Mm. Why is there always... Real? No. I'm sure there's a lot of really popular pictures. And I think most of... Well, I can kind of see. Yeah. And, you know, pictures of ghosts are always hella grainy. Hella grainy. So that is the Penhurst. Asylum. I hate it. 
We all do. Alrighty. Well, this has been a long episode of As, as Long As, as It's spooky. spooky. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, and hopefully you're also as mortified as we were when it comes to <sighs> the atrocities of Penhurst and things like that. <laughs> Sorry, my dog just gave the sassiest walk away I've ever seen. Anyway, please um, know that nowadays places like this that our mental health schools are in much better condition. We treat people who have mental disorders or illnesses much better. And so none of this stuff I don't think would ever happen now. Hopefully not. Hopefully. I mean, at least in more progressive places because we yeah. learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Um, this was a really dark episode. It was. And, but I mean, okay. Let's try to change the topic. Let's do some quick plugins, I guess. Um, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please review, please star. The Apple algorithm works in a way that the more stars and reviews we get, the higher up we get placed. So it's not based on the listenings alone. You actually have to comment. And you can just comment simple things like, Chip and Ralphie, please stop messing with the bell. Or please stop asking to go outside. And we'll be like, yeah, we also want them to stop doing that when yep. we record. Uh, follow us on Instagram. A There he goes again. A-L-A-I-S dot podcast. And then on Twitter, A-L-A-I-S podcast. For any updates, we also have a Gmail, as long as it's spooky, at gmail.com, where you can send any paranormal-related stories. And I know we've gotten some. I, I don't know if we want to put a number on how many we like, how many of your guys' stories we would like before we can make a whole episode on it. I was imagining four, so we can each read four. Two. Yeah. So right now we have like three. Yeah. So really, you could be that lucky number four. Oh my god! Are you done, Chip? Ralphie, stop! Stop crying. You're okay. That's my foot. I know. I was trying to get my dog. <laughs> you were holding my foot. I was trying to get my dog and your foot was in my way. All right. Well, thanks for listening to As Long As It's Spooky once again. And we're sorry. Bye. Hey, Alex here. Thank you for listening to As Long As It's Spooky with Ari and myself. We are under Instagram as alais.podcast and we are also on Twitter as alais.podcast. If you or anyone else you know has had a spooky experience, email us the story at aslongsspooky at gmail.com. And if you're able to, please Wait, subscribe, leave a review, any traction that we can get is good enough for us. Thanks.